Lob it up to Rudy, put it down. Mitchell three. Yes! The rookie comes alive! Hello, everybody, and welcome once again to Hashtag Jazz. My name is Jason Walker, joined by Trey Sanders, as always. Um, a oh, lot I of stuff going on. myself now. No, because you always hate it, so... <laughs> I stole your thunder this time. Damn it. <laughs> you want to introduce yourself now? No, you've already you've done too much. <laughs> I'll have you do it next time. All right. Um there's there's I'll a lot of what? I'll hold you to that. All right, all right. <laughs> I'll, I'll probably forget and me, so will you probably. Probably. So uh as I was trying to say, a lot of news going on around the jazz. I didn't actually expect this much news. With just because it's the off season, it feels like there's never news between you know. I guess it's mostly August is the dead month because the NBA is starting to become a kind of a year-round uh, talking point, kind of like the NFL sort of is. The NFL is mm. kind of boring right now, but I, I didn't expect to have this much to talk about in our in our podcast. Um, because there's obviously we just have the draft. We'll talk about that. Then there's the NBA awards, which the Jazz were heavily involved in. They had three nominees in the uh, in the award show, or maybe four. There was, was De- four, yeah. Dennis, yeah, Dennis Lindsay was, yeah. yeah, yeah. I forgot about him. And then we've got obviously the upcoming free agency, which we were expecting to take a whole episode on that. But you know, there's just so much going on. Some of it came out in the last couple of days. Some of it came out today. So. Now, we were planning on recording this yesterday, so maybe it's a good thing we delayed because then we would have missed some talking points. Yeah. I'm sure there will be more, too. Yeah, mm. there's – yeah. There will be plenty between now and our next podcast, which we'll probably do that maybe a week after free agency starts so we some stuff gets out of the way so we'll actually have more to talk about. So let's, let's start with the draft because – Take, just picking up off where we left off last time, uh, the Jazz select Grayson Allen with the 21st pick. They had the 52nd pick. They sold it for, I believe, $1.5 million to the Houston Rockets, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Trey, uh, last week you said that you, li- you li- would have liked the Jazz to pick Grayson Allen. You thought it would be a good pick. Uh, have anything else to follow up now that the Jazz have actually followed through on that and selected a guy you thought would be a solid uh, option? Um. It kind of makes me feel like I uh, I could make some uh, acquisitions on the on draft day. Um, I I need to start building a resume. I think no, but seriously, um, it it didn't surprise me one bit. At, like I watched kind of like the the Jazz always put up those workout videos of the people they work out uh, for pre draft, and you just got this sense from just the way Grayson was beaming afterwards and. Even the little talk that was said um, prior to his workout, and then when he was picked, I mean, um, it just makes sense. And I mean, he's a good shooter. He's not going to get the minutes like uh, Donovan did. There's no way in hell. Um, but that's a good molding piece. And like I said, I thought it would be a really good fit. One, because he's a good shooter. Two, because he's a workhorse. He's going to keep putting in effort. He doesn't take plays off. And it's that Duke connection. It's it only made sense that a coach or a player from Mike Shusevsky is going to come play for Quinn Snyder. Yeah, I think that's definitely true. There, when you do think about it, 
the pick does make sense, and I think that's why a lot of fans went there. The minutes, I don't know, minutes or seconds before the Jazz submitted their pick, they were just saying, "Don't draft Grayson Allen. Don't draft Grayson Allen." Because a lot of the guys that we were thinking, the guys at least that I was thinking, because I was surprised Grayson went so high. Uh, the guys that I was thinking the Jazz might draft, they all went ahead of the 21st pick. Guys like uh, Dante DiVincenzo. I don't know if I'm ever saying his name right, but the kid out of Villanova. A couple of other guys whose names I'm suddenly forgetting, but they went ahead of the Jazz, so they couldn't pick him, and so they fell back on Grayson Allen, who, you know, from what you said, obviously the Jazz liked him. I know one thing that I read is that in that workout, they have the Jazz put these players through. They have him shoot like 100 threes in a row, and he made 66 of them, which from in putting it in context, the guys say that if they hit 70, that'll get their attention. Most scores would be like in the 50s, maybe 60s. Because, you know, in a workout, you're going to hit a lot a lot higher percentage than you are in an actual game. So 66 isn't exactly insane, but it it was good. And so I mm-hmm. think just with that, obviously the workout, you know, last year I've heard stories about how Dennis Lindsay just was blown away by Donovan Mitchell in the draft workout, and he told everybody, like, don't talk about this because he was really wanting to draft Donovan Mitchell with a 13th or, you know, trade up to get Donovan Mitchell. And obviously that's what ended up happening. And so I guess maybe something similar. They're just impressed by Grayson Allen, the things you brought up, his work ethic, which is something that I always like to talk about. I like to see that in draft picks. I like to see that almost as much, if not more than, the athleticism, the ball handling, and the shooting, because if you have the work ethic, you will improve so much more than just this raw draft pick. Uh, who, right. who may not work as hard, you know, who might have all of the, uh, you know, the DeAndre Ayton size or whatnot. Um, you might look at a player like Rudy Gobert. He has all the physical talents you would want. If he didn't work hard, he wouldn't be where he is today. So, and I think that's something that Dennis Lindsay is really pursuing because he saw that in Donovan Mitchell. And hopefully that is there in Grayson Allen from what I've heard. Obviously you believe he's he's got that. We'll see how he does. But while I was surprised that he did go that high, I thought he would fall down to either the late 20s or even early 30s in terms of selections. I do like that he'll come in, be a shooter, you know, play 10 to 15 minutes per game, 50 minutes at most. And he'll give the Jazz six to seven points, shoot 37% from three, and, you know, he'll do his job which is what the Jazz need. We talked about this a lot. They need more shooting off the bench. They just got it. Right, yeah. He's All he's going to be for us is a role player. He's not going to be a star. He's not going to be fringe star status. He's going to be a good role player, especially as he develops. Um, and I'm not worried about him kind of falling victim to the Jimmer Fredette type um, just disappearance act because Jimmer Fredette, like, when, you, when you're Jimmer Fredette, the ball has to be in your hands no matter what in order for him to score. And when he came to the NBA, it was like, okay, this guy was one of the best college players of his time. Like, no, I, I don't see that with Grayson Allen. He he did play a lot of uh, point guard in his last two seasons at Duke, but that was because Krzyzewski wanted to utilize him that way. Um, and he did okay with it. I mean, just assist numbers don't jump off the board, but this is also college we're talking about, but... So when he's asked to, he can definitely handle the ball as a 
point. Um, and he's six, though. He can kind of play the one, two, or three if needed. You cut out really bad there. You might want to need to repeat what you just said. Oh, crap. Where did I lo- Where did you lose me? Like the last two sentences we missed. Oh, okay. Um, uh, well, his... Yeah, so his assist numbers don't jump off the the, the board here because he was college, but he can handle the ball, and I would expect to see him run uh, some point guard, and he can play one through three, um, which is also good, and he's going to be really good off ball, really good off ball. Yeah, see, I do think that off ball, I'm not convinced that he can play the three because he's only six and six four and a half in shoes. He's got a six seven wingspan. Maybe he can play three for a few minutes. Um, but I think he'll mainly stay in the, I believe he'll, I don't know, again, I don't know how many minutes he's going to play, but I think most of those are going to be at shooting guard, maybe some at point guard. It just depends on what Quinn Snyder thinks, whether or not he can play point guard, whether he'd rather have Donovan Mitchell be filling in some of those. It'll be like third string point guard, because we're going to have Ricky and Dante, hopefully for most or all of the season. Mm-hmm. So he may not get some point guard minutes. It depends. And... And this is something I want to bring up because you know, we talk about him coming off the bench and doing all that shooting. I'm wondering where his minutes are going to come from because a little bit after the draft as I was looking at some of the things people were saying and they thought, you know, well, when is he going to play minutes? And so I went and I did a minutes breakdown. I It was kind of a – it was like a proposal as an estimate. Obviously, it's not the minutes that Quinn Snyder would do. I'm not the coach, but – Looking at it, we have, I think, five wings, potentially, that could play around at least 20 minutes per game. You've got, like, Donovan Mitchell, Joe Ingles, Jay Crowder, Royce O'Neal, and Tabo Cephalosha. I think. I'm, I don't think I'm forgetting anybody. There's, al- there's also Alec Burks in there. Um, forget Mitchell. But those five guys could play at least 20 minutes per game for the Jazz. Not saying all of them do, but they could. And just mm-hmm. if all those guys played somewhere in the range between 15 and 20 minutes, that lit, when I did all the math, that left <clears> about <throat> five minutes for Grayson Allen to play. And that's with some guys playing like 14 or 15 minutes. There's barely enough room for those five to get in all their minutes. So. And there's also Dante Exum, who could play some wing minutes. We know Quinn Snyder likes to play him at shooting guard as well as point guard. So I'm I'm wondering where Quinn is going to fit in Grayson Allen. Maybe he does try and fit him into that third-string point guard slot early on and just keep Donovan at the three, or sorry, the two. You know, it, it's very interesting to think about because now the Jazz have six wings that they're going to want to play because obviously they want to bring in Grayson Allen but all those other five are talented NBA players who all of whom are probably starting caliber for a lot of NBA teams that could start for a lot of teams in the NBA at their respective positions but you have any thoughts uh, I'm just trying to process everything you just said there that was a lot to take in um honestly if my memory serves me right um i mean it was a long long season a lot happened but quinn the only rotation he really had was 
between nine, eight or nine of his players, right? Like we didn't see Alec Burks for a good portion of the season. Um, and when we needed him in the playoffs, he came in and just helped significantly. Um, obviously Neto sat out with various injuries, um, but even he didn't play all that much. And then when Exum came back, he took the majority of those minutes from him. Um, I wouldn't say that he really has a set rotation other than his starters. Um, he has, you know, he'll give him, he'll give his starters the minutes they are worthy of. And for anybody else, it's more situational for him. Um, obviously, Grayson Allen's going to be in the summer league. That's going to be a good gauge of for Quinn of where he can fit Grayson Allen. And then obviously, uh, when they go to camp, which, what is that? Starts in September or something like that. Yeah, I've remember. got no clue. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I mean, it's just a ma- he's he's a strategist as much as he is a coach, and that's what I really like about him is he doesn't he he picks his people for different situations pretty well. So I don't know. I mean, I have no idea how much how many minutes he's going to get, but I think Grayson Allen's going to get a decent amount of play time next season for sure. Yeah, I'm thinking with Grayson. I'm thinking ideally you'd think about fifty. Somewhere between ten and fifteen minutes, because he's mm-hmm. you said he's not going to get Donovan's minutes. You know, getting in the high twenties and thirties. I don't think he's going to break twenty, barring serious injuries to a lot of players. And you, you bring up Quinn last year. He had a lot of injuries, but even then, he had some times like in the playoffs where the team was mostly healthy, and you know he did change things up a little bit. Yeah, and especially when Jay Crowder came in, that really changes rotation. And but it'll be interesting if this team has any semblance of health for stretches of the season. If this roster stays mostly intact, which I think it very well could, and we'll get to that in a minute. But I think there will be some questions, and there may may be some un- unhappy players who don't feel like they're getting the minutes that they think they deserve, and they probably do. Like I said, there's five or six wings who deserve at least 20 minutes per game. Mm-hmm. So. And not all of them are going to get it. The math just doesn't work. And, I mean, even a guard where I don't think Grayson can play the three very much, at least at a consistent level, um, other than maybe random points during the game when maybe a team goes small and they have to do that. But, you know, you have Ricky and Donovan taking up like two-thirds of the potential guard minutes. And there's Dante and Grayson. Royce plays a lot of the shooting guard. Again, it will be an interesting question, and I don't know either. Like, I bring all these up, and you know, I do all the the math and the calculations, but I'm not the coach, and I don't know how it's going to work out. But there is some speculation, and one of the things I've been speculating is I'm wondering, are the Jazz going to hang on to Tabo Cephalosha? Because that was the biggest conclusion I came to, is that if they let him go, that frees up so many minutes. And it's not... And, Tabo plays mostly the three and the four, but that frees up minutes for guys like Joe and Royce. They would just not play shooting guard. That would open up 10 to 15 extra minutes for Grayson to suddenly step into that aren't being taken up by somebody else. Mm-hmm. So, and the thing <laughs> is, if the Jazz terminate Tabo Cephalosh's contract by July 1st, so in, in a few days then it's not guaranteed. If they wait till after that, it is guaranteed. And 
I don't know what the Jazz are going to do. There's pros and cons to doing that. Because one of the things I've heard, and I think this will play a big part in this free agency, and it's really shaped my own personal projections for what the Jazz will do, is that I think Dennis Lindsay's hanging on for the 2019 free agency. I don't think he's playing for this year. And to get that cal- that caliber player for next year. Yeah, if he's he's looking for like a star player and major role players next summer. And if he's doing that, it would be good for him to actually hang on to Tabo's contract. Cuz then he doesn't have to sign another player to like another two or three year contract which would be taking away potential cap space, but if he holds on to it, that frees up like 4 million dollars for next year or such and such, I don't know. Yeah, it, it it helps him in next summer. So I I don't know what the Jazz are going to do. This is them selecting Grayson Allen, another wing player essentially, has opened up so many questions, especially because Grayson is the kind of he's more of a win now pick. He's an NBA ready type pick. He's not a Lonnie Walker or a whoever else. You know the the Giannis Antetokounmpo, Rudy Gobert these raw picks that are projects. Mm-hmm. He's a, uh, you insert him into your lineup. He gives you solid minutes. He's a low ceiling, but he's got a pretty high floor and he can contribute right away. I think also like Kyle Anderson or guys like that. So I don't know what they're going to do, but I think Dennis Lindsay is showing his hand a little bit in that. And again, I've heard these in rumors as well is Dennis Lindsay is, looking towards 2019 no and you know that makes a lot of sense because picking Grayson Allen another wing like you said yeah it, in in a in a sense it like it's questionable because that's not the like that's not where you have a need or a void to fill I mean yes you had you brought in a role player that could come off the bench and give you points but yeah, I think that I think that that's a really good um, way to look at it because you you will free up so many more opportunities for yourself in the following season. And when he drafted, when they drafted him, I was like, okay, they have every intention of keeping things how they are, because that wasn't a Grayson Allen's not the guy who jumps off of the draft board like, yeah, we need to get that guy. He's not. So, and then with this. Uh, news today that they extended offers to Exum, Neto, and Georges Niang, or however you say his name. That right there tells me that, yeah, they're playing. They're playing to just keep it as it is and see what they can get going forward. Because yeah, they'll free up a ton more money. And I wouldn't even be surprised if free agency we get rid of Jarebko, free up that little bit, so that we can just have that extra cash moving forward. Yeah, and that is possible. And I'm not saying that I don't think they might not sign any free agents, but I don't think they're going to sign anything major. Like, the biggest splash they might make is another... Remember when they signed Joe Johnson a couple years ago? Like, that might be the biggest kind of splash they make. Or maybe they'll make... Uh, restrict, like, assign someone like Jabari Parker or Aaron Gordon to an offer sheet. Probably more likely Jabari Parker, because Aaron Gordon's going to want a max. But even then, I wouldn't expect those guys to end up in Utah. It'll just be kind of this due diligence. Hey, we'll try. You know, it couldn't hurt to try. 
and they might do something like that, but I wouldn't expect any sort of big splash. Because like you said, I think the Jazz want to keep this team as it is and, and, and play for the 2019 free agency, which I don't like that decision a ton, but it is a lot easier than the things that I was hoping for. Like my dream offseason for this year would involve the Jazz ending in with guys like Tyreek Evans or you know, bringing in Jabari Parker, Aaron Gordon, or Tobias Harris, which is admittedly really hard to do. They would have to move a lot of pieces, free up a lot of cap space, and it would really shake up the locker room, which Lindsey appears to not want to do because it's a great locker room and it has talent. Tons. Yeah, tons of talent, and they just added more, obviously, with Allen. And a lot of these guys will hopefully just get better. You think Royce O'Neal and Donovan Mitchell both rookies last season. They improve in, in any significant way, and you've already gotten better by default. And you think, you know, if Rudy Gobert adds some components, you just think we talked about the things that players can improve on a handful of podcasts ago, and if they do those things... You know, it's a 50-plus win team. Um, and one thing I want to talk about in terms of standing pat, another bit of news, I mean, it came out today. I know the Salt Lake Tribune wrote an article on this. I saw it first from some other outlet, but that Derek Favors is leaning towards staying. He wants to test the market, but he's leaning towards staying. And the Jazz feel the same way. They're like, they, they want him to stay. They probably don't want him to test the market. They just want him to stay. And I think that confirms some suspicions. Like, I was already thinking that Dennis Lindsay was wanting to keep this team intact. And I'd heard those things from Lindsay himself. He talked about wanting to keep this team intact. So it doesn't surprise me to hear this. But, I don't know, it's just, it's just more news with them keeping this intact. Like, do you think that Derek Favors is going to get any interest from other teams enough to draw him away from the Jazz? No, I mean he's gonna draw attention. He's he's a premier power forward center. Like he really is. He's got great hands. He can do. I mean he's proven himself over and over. Yes, he had injuries, but he's gonna have pe- teams coming after him. But it's not gonna be anything the Jazz can't just be like. Okay, well yeah, we'll just match that real quick. Yeah, it, it will be interesting because yeah, he does have a very valuable skill set. Because you think the modern NBA center is Derek Favors, and he has the potential to guard pretty much most power forwards. But I do think the fact that Derek Favors, he does, I think, like it in Utah. He's not the kind of guy to just go chase after big cities, big markets. And I think he believes he can still succeed in Utah. Um, Which he should. Yeah. And he, he can. He showed that he can succeed this year. He played very well. He didn't put up great numbers. And I think that's one of the reasons he's really underrated. And I think there's this one article that ESPN put out, like the top 30 free agents, and Derek Favors wasn't in there, which is ridiculous because hmm. he's like a top 10 free agent. Totally, especially like, at his position. He's yeah. invaluable. I mean, when Rudy's off the floor, you have another, you have another defensive presence. Like you have 48 minutes of stifling interior defense. Yeah, and, like, talk about at his position, you look at, like, maybe talk about what positions Aaron Gordon or LeBron James play, he's either the best or, like, in the top three at least at his position in terms of free agents, unless I'm forgetting 
some name at power forward. But yeah, there's there's a lot, and so maybe some teams will go after him. But I think the Jazz ultimately will sign him. I wonder if they're going to sign him to a more long-term deal. They might try and get him to sign to like a one-year contract with maybe a team option. I don't know if they can convince him to do that. Because I think if you're Derek Favors, you're wanting a four-year deal. Because you're not going to get many more of those. Right. Or maybe, or maybe he wants to play another year, kind of prove himself more, get him back into the NBA conversation, and maybe test the market again in a year. Possibly. I don't know, because that's, that's a whole different headache, man. Because you know that going forward, at some point, Donovan is going to need a max contract. He's going to get one, whether it's here or somewhere else. Dennis Lindsay would be stupid to let him go, but Donovan Mitchell's going to need to get paid. Um, Ricky's going to want to stay. Ricky's going to want a bigger paycheck. Um, Rudy, you still have locked in for another three years. Um, you've got Alec Burks coming up as a free agent. You've got, I mean, no, they're gonna uh, let Al- they're who gonna else let we got? Alec go. What's that? They're huh? going to let Alec go. I don't see yeah. him coming back. As much as I love the guy, I don't see him coming back. Right. Well, yeah, and then Jay Crowder's done by next season, so he becomes a free agent then. Um, both Jerebko and Cephalosha become free agents at that time. So it's like, yeah, I, I don't – how do you piece that all together? That's just crazy. That's why I think the 2019 season could be big because you'll, yeah. you'll still have guys like Exum will probably – assuming they retain him, I mean, they did the qualifying offer, so – it seems like they're trying to re-sign him. I don't. I didn't see any dollar amounts. I don't know what the dollar amount is for his qualifying offer. I don't think it's that big. But you'll have guys like Exum, uh, Donovan, on pretty cheap contracts. Joe's got a pretty good contract for what he's contributing. But you'll be able to. They'll really put together their, you know, kind of their vision of a championship team in 2019. Or at least they'll try to. Mm-hmm. And we'll see. Maybe we don't know if guys like Jay Crowder or Ricky Rubio or Derek Favors are actually going to be pieces on this team three or four years down the road. We know Donovan and Rudy are most likely going to be there because mm-hmm. that's you know that's that's the core of this team. And you know these are the guys obviously are big parts. Ricky and and you know all the rest. So. Again, these these are just big questions. For now, they are staying with this team, obviously, and and they're going to be big contributors for next year. So, maybe a year from now, I don't. I'm not entirely sold on Ricky Rubio staying with the Jazz. I do love Ricky, and I he's a big part of the locker room on the court, and he's a good piece. But one of the things when you look at the 2019 free agents, a couple of them are point guards. You know, one of them's Kemba Walker. Do they go after Kemba Walker and leave Ricky Rubio? I don't know. There's going to be a lot of things answered. Unfortunately, none of the questions we want answered are probably going to get answered this season, except for, you know, will Derek Favors stay and all that. Those are the, the easy questions. We're still seeing the type of team that Dennis Lindsay is trying to put together. And the puzzle, the puzzles are still coming together. Hopefully, the the picture at the end is a NBA Finals trophy. 
That's the goal, man. That's the goal. It's not. I don't. I don't see it happening this year because you still have the dynasty Golden State to deal with, and Houston's only going to get better. Um, which yeah, I hate that the I hate that their um, general manager got executive of the year. That doesn't make any sense. Because you signed Chris Paul. <laughs> that's, that's the only reason. Yeah, you added Chris Paul. Woo, woohoo! Like, why do you get the executive of the year award for that? Are you kidding me? That one. That one was a head scratcher. Honestly, I don't know in terms of executives who else was in contention. No, Dennis was there, but like Dennis drafted Donovan Mitchell, runner-up in Rookie of the Year, got another really solid rookie from overseas, uh, signed Ricky Rubio, who turned out to have his best season of his career, traded for Jay Crowder, who became part of what was the best lineup in the NBA, from February to the end of the regular season. And I'm probably forgetting something else. He, that, like, honestly, tell me a GM who did better than that. Seriously, you had you had your team almost gutted by one player. And he went and made all of these moves. And this became, I mean, the second half of the season was just uh, spectacular. Yeah, it's... It's kind of dumb that he didn't win it. Seriously. Like, okay, Maury Daryl, or Daryl Maury, sorry, uh, 68 points to Dennis Lindsay's 54. That's the final tally on the executive of the year votes. Like, how? You added Chris Paul. That's literally all you did. He traded you for a executive guy. of the year. Him, he shouldn't get credit for trading because, like, Chris Paul already wanted out. He was going to be a free right. agent. Yeah, like, he literally came crawling to you like, I want to play here. Okay, I'll sign you. Come on. It's like giving the Cavaliers GM credit for re-signing LeBron James after he came back from Miami. <laughs> it's like, okay. Don't get that at all. Yeah, and there's people that still say Dennis Lindsay's not a good GM, which just baffles me. Like, maybe he's not like this basketball knowledge god. Like, duh, he's not. He drafted guys like Trey Lyles, Trey Burke, and uh, Rodney Hood. I mean, of course, Rodney Hood was actually a pretty decent pick. Now, Rudy Gobert traded for, uh, you know, he's done some bad things. He's done a lot of good things. So is every other general manager in the NBA. Yeah, but the thing is, he's done more good things than he's done bad things. Right. A lot more good things. So, if you don't want to get into the hype of the, you know, blindly trusting Dennis Lindsay, which I wouldn't, because I don't blindly trust Dennis Lindsay. I questioned his Grayson Allen pick, and I don't perfectly agree with his strategy of going for 2019 free agents, because I don't believe there's any good ones there. At least that we can get. Yeah, there's but, not many good ones. I was looking through that list actually. Yeah, the biggest, the headliner is Clay Thompson, which. Maybe we can sign him, but I think nah, he's going to he's, he's be a warrior for life. Yeah, that's the thing. He's the kind of guy who looks like he's not going to leave, and I feel like I saw news about him looking to sign an extension. I don't know how that works, but whatever. <laughs> he's probably not going. Kemba Walker is the next one on the list, and I'm not an enormous fan of him, but I don't dislike him. I wouldn't mind him being on the team. 
I don't know yeah. if he's coming either. So, and you're signing a six foot point guard to a max contract who'll be 29. That's it's not huge. Yeah. So that that's one of the things where I'm beginning to question Dennis Lindsay is I'm like, eh, don't like the plan here. But I guess you've done enough good things that I don't mind so much. Yeah, well, I mean, this is this is the time of uh, his job where it's not that fun. <laughs> I mean, you're breaking someone's heart or you're putting someone in a, in a position they don't want to be in no matter what. Um, I mean, obviously, you want to keep the good guys, but that's unfortunately not how contracts work. Yeah, and you do bring up this is actually the hardest point. I think in another way this is the hardest part of being a GM because it's not terribly hard to go from bad to playoffs. Some teams don't seem to be able to do that like the Kings, but you've seen teams go from being bad to jumping into the playoffs. Usually it's just being a good draft pick away. But it's going from we have these good draft picks being in the position like, you know, the Philadelphia 76ers had good draft picks, and well, the Kings have had good draft picks, or at least good draft positions for about 10 years. Mm-hmm. And you can get yourself into the playoffs, but then it's going from middling playoff, you know, seeds 5 through 8 or even 4 or 3, and then jumping into championship contention like the Rockets, the Warriors, and the Cavs were this year. That's the hardest part. And we'll see if Dennis Lindsay can do that because he's done really well on the go from lottery team to playoff team. He's done an excellent job getting from square one to you know playoff team. Now he's got to get from playoff team to championship team, which is excruciatingly hard for a small market team that doesn't walk into a bunch of good draft picks, kind of like the Warriors did. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. I don't envy his job at all. <laughs> I think we said the same thing last week. Don't envy his job. Yeah. So I do want to talk a little bit about Dante Exum. Like, do you think this is kind of the same question with Derek Favors? I'm not sure how many teams are actually going to look to try and sign Dante Exum because the opinion around the NBA seems to be that he's a bust. Like most people you talk to who aren't jazz fans, and even a lot who are jazz fans, will say that Dante's a bust. Now, there's kind of a little cult following bandwagon for Dante Exum, of which I am a part, that is still very high on Exum's potential. I just hope... I, do you think that's shared among other NBA executives, is the question I'm wondering. Uh, I don't think... Bust is the right word because Dante hasn't had a season to really prove himself. This this past season was supposed to be it. It was supposed to be the season where we actually get to see what he's capable of doing for an entire season. And then he got injured in the preseason and came back for the playoffs. Um, so I don't know if bust is the right word. I would say more liability um, because... Yeah, I mean, he hasn't had a healthy season, and he's been in the NBA for three years now, or four. Yeah, yeah, I do agree with you. I don't think he's a bust, but I think a lot of people, they say he's like that kind of injury bust, kind of the Greg Oden that has potential, was just too injured, never fulfilled it. 
I feel right. like that's, that's what some people are saying with Dante Exum. It's like, yeah, sure, he's shown flashes, but he's never here. And it actually encourages me a little bit that there, my thoughts are that I just don't think a GM is going to want to take the risk to sign him. Because whenever you're getting a restricted free agent, you're usually overpaying for them. You know, to get to price somebody out, you have to pay more than what they're worth because the team that is going to hold on to them is willing to pay whatever they're worth, sometimes more. And that's what, you know, it's really hard to get restricted free agents. I don't think anybody's going to want to overpay on Dante Exum because they haven't seen what he can do. The Jazz can afford to make those qualifying offers because they, you know, they have him in-house and, and all those different advantages and they think they've got something good in him still. The other yeah, NBA well, teams don't have Yeah, well, it's also like, well, you can't really go anywhere else right now anyways, so. Yeah. <laughs> if, if the Jazz really want him, He's there. There's nothing Dante can do about it or any of the other GMs. Right. Uh, but I do really hope that they keep him on a – so I think the, if it's the qualifying offer, then they'll get him – it would be like I think the, the one more year. And then does he become an unrestricted free agent? I don't know how mm. these things work. I I don't – yeah, I don't either. All I know is, is that the offers they made today to Neto, Exum – and uh, Niang make them restricted. That's all I know. Yeah, I didn't even realize they had to do that. I thought it was just they were restricted free agents, but I guess if they didn't make the qualifying offer, they'd just become regular free agents. That makes yeah, sense. Yeah, I don't know. It, it's like trying to figure out the Vegas odds, man. I'm not about to try and figure that out. <laughs> I've I had people explain the odds. Crap out, but... Yeah, well, I, guess, I don't know how they do the odds. I just know kind of how they're supposed to work. Granted, I've never actually bet. I thought about it, but I've never actually done it. Because I was in Vegas during the Mountain West tournament. Oh, you've got to do sports betting, man. <laughs> I've never sports felt betting's like, awesome. I've never felt like sports betting was good enough because I feel it would, it would ruin the watching experience. Because I'd, I'd be thinking more about the money than watching the basketball. But that's just yeah. a personal thing, I guess. And I, I, I don't know if it would be a smart investment. That's the other thing. Because I'm going to gamble. Gambling never is. Are you serious? Well, the thing That's is, if, it's called gambling. Well, the thing is, certain kinds of gambling, like if you play poker, you can just spend some money, and it's just like any other entertainment. You go, you sure. spend some money. If you come out on top, then that's great. If you don't, you were having fun. It's like going to a sports game. You spend 80 bucks, go to a jazz game. That's like the total after tickets and concessions and all that, if you're lucky, depending on the seat you get. You throw away 80 yeah. bucks at a poker table, you had fun, whatever. With the sports betting, it's like I'm I'm throwing away money and it, it's it's like you're trying to invest, but you're not willing to actually sure really well, invest. Okay, so the first time I ever did sports betting was four years ago down in Vegas. We went down there for Thanksgiving. It's a really weird place to go for Thanksgiving, but we'll keep going. Um, the first time I ever did sports betting, I filled out a 12-team card. This was when football and basketball were still happening um, at the same time, um, and I bet on I of the twelve teams I did, I only got two of them wrong. If I had got it down, I put down ten bucks. I would have walked out twenty five hundred dollars richer, and it was just those two teams that I got just slightly off. I it was very close, and then I made up for it by doing a four team card, put down five bucks, and came out with sixty. Just saying. Yeah, and like I said, you can win money. Like I know a couple of the guys I was with for that tournament, they put down bets and they I think they came away maybe slightly on top. 
Mm. So maybe it can be messed with. That's a, that's the problem. I feel like sports betting is like a crappy investment or like a really oh, luck totally. based. Yeah, it's 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 not. A, I don't know. It feels like an investment that isn't really going to often pay off. Whereas other kinds of gambling, you can justify it by just saying it's entertainment and I'm having fun. Yes. But I, you know, everyone can do what they want, and maybe someday I will put a bet down just for the fun of it. But. Yeah, for sure. But then you add to it, like you're trying to piece together an NBA team with the money you're allotted, and even drafting players is a gamble. Um, you know, trading people is a gamble. I mean, yeah, we traded away um, Hood and something. I can't. Who else did we trade? I can't or was remember. Was it just Rodney? I don't even I th- remember. I think it was just Rodney. No, it was. Wait, no, <laughs> never mind. I was thinking George Hill for some reason, but George Hill was involved in that trade. I think all we gave up was Rodney. Okay, so yeah, we got Jay Crowder for him, and that's one of those gambles that pays off because, well, Jay Crowder fits that system. Yeah. But, yeah, it's, you're playing with a ton of assets that, you know, you bring in one bad player, with especially the way that locker room is going to be and was, um, yeah, I mean, one player can blow up the whole thing. Yeah, and we mentioned, I, we talked about last week about Derek Favors letting him go or keeping him. Well, I guess letting him go was a, is a big gamble because you talk about your ceiling goes up if you can bring in a player, a good stretch for, you think, Tobias Harris, Jabari Parker, there's uh, Nikola Miritich is another guy. You know, there's stretch fours that we might be able to acquire. The ceiling goes up, but the floor gets lower. You know, mm-hmm. whereas keeping him, it's a smarter bet. Uh, your ceiling may not be quite as high, but your floor is not as low. So it's, and I think Dennis Lindsay's playing the conservative bet in this case, and maybe he'll get a little more crazy in 2019. So you know, I do want to talk briefly about the NBA awards uh, before we close up. I think mostly talked about free agency. I guess we would have talked more about potential free agents, but I think we both agree they're probably not coming in this year. Unless no. you think any, you have any ideas. <laughs> I, I, don't, I know. don't know. I mean, it's a, it's the circus began a long time ago with where's the free agents going? Where's LeBron going? Where's Paul George going? Where's blah, blah, blah. I, it's just I, I don't try to read too far into it because it just like it gets blown out of proportion. And then when things happen, it's like, Word. It's either good or it's just extremely bad. Like everyone's a critic, and they're just like, blah, 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 blah. I, I don't know. I I think that there's still a chance that something happens. I'm not holding out hope though because I still feel like Dennis Lindsay is going to keep what he has. Yeah, and so do I. And one of the things I thought was hilarious with you mentioned, you mentioned the ridiculousness of free agency. There was like a leak of the video or like the script or something about the video pitch that the Lakers are supposedly going to give to Paul George. Like that was leaked and there was news about it. And I was like, Holy crap. You guys must be so bored right now. <laughs> it's like this qualifies, this qualifies as news right now in the NBA is the, the video leak of the, they've actually been working on pitch. that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They've been working on that since the season ended. <laughs> Basically. And then Magic Johnson's like, if we don't get free agents this year or next year, I'm stepping down, which is, yeah, that was actually news. 
granted, that is yeah. actually something worth saying. Granted, every time Magic Johnson opens his mouth, it's front page headlines on ESPN and anywhere mostly. Yep. All right. So, <laughs> the NBA Awards. Any anything unexpected? We talked about Dennis Lindsay. Um, I, I guess everything pretty much went as expected. Because we all expected James Harden to win. We were pretty sure Rudy Gobert would win Defensive Player of the Year. And the Ben Simmons would beat out Donovan Mitchell. And then, I mean, it's always kind of a toss-up for most improved and sixth man of the year because there's not nearly as much talk about that. So, I don't know. Do you have any... Any last thoughts on the NBA awards? Um, the the loyalist in me wanted uh, Donovan to get that rookie of the year. Um, unfortunately, he got beat out by a guy who can put up triple double numbers and doesn't have a jump shot. So there's that. Um, Rudy, if he didn't win Defensive Player of the Year, um there would have to be riots. Um, I love to see the end results of where Quinn Snyder landed and uh, on the Coach of the Year awards. He was second by, and Andy Larson called it a close second. It really wasn't, but to see him beat out Brad Stevens, that's pretty big to me. Um, and hey. the Executive of the Year, man, that one just doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense at all. Yeah, I think sometimes, well, I guess always, really, these can be popularity contests, especially things like Coach of the Year and Executive of the Year and to a somewhat similar degree, MVP, where it's like these awards are decided in, like, April. Because, you know, or even MVP, like, people talk about if you're going into March and you're saying who's a dark horse candidate for MVP, there's not one. There's a front runner, and barring him breaking his everything or anything, he's going to win MVP. We all knew James Harden was going to win MVP in March or April, something like that. Last you know month of the regular season, we knew that. <laughs> we knew LeBron James wasn't going to win it, and everybody who said otherwise was you know. And I was kind of in that camp. I thought LeBron James should have won because I thought he was the best player. There doesn't matter because everyone wanted. James Harden to win it. Last year with Russell Westbrook, he had that thing sealed up by like January. Right. Everyone, everyone knew he was going to win MVP. Rookie of the year, I think that was decided probably somewhere in January, February, where Ben Simmons was getting his triple doubles and all that. And even though Donovan was really breaking out, he, he was still breaking out at that point. It had basically already been decided. And Donovan Mitchell made it close in the mind of the public, but for the writers and all that, it wasn't a question to them. So, which just kills me. He doesn't have a jump shot, but triple doubles. You know, it's not triple. You can, you literally can only score in the paint. That is all you can do. Cool. Like you're in the modern day NBA. You have to be able to shoot. There's two players on Philadelphia, Fultz and him, and they can't shoot. What? And and see, that's the thing is that in the playoffs that got exposed bad against Boston. I watched him and and he was, he was a non-factor against Boston. And I think I, from what I heard, this is hearsay. It was from like somebody who heard it from somewhere else. That there were some writers who said they would have changed their pick based on what they saw in the playoffs if they had it over again. 
It's a nice gesture. But yeah, I mean, there's there's some obvious flaws in Ben Simmons' game, and there's some flaws in Donovan Mitchell's game. Uh, you know, when people say he's a chucker, there's some basis in that. He sure. did shoot. He did shoot like forty three percent this season, which is not terrific. Sure, but he's not going to back down from the moment. And the the thing is, is we we've seen like Ben Simmons, what he is is what he will always be. Donovan Mitchell, we have not seen his like his final form, if if you will. His, like we his haven't ultimate seen, form. right? Like he's just gonna he's gonna evolve and evolve and evolve until he finally hits that ceiling. But Ben Simmons, he's he, that's it. The only but, thing he can do from this point is add a jump shot, which is going to take a long time. Uh, if he does manage to add a jump shot, and yeah, it might take him like six years to become a. <laughs> He might take him longer to become like a 35% three-point shooter. I don't know if he ever will be. Oh, my God. No it, way. <laughs> so, yeah, if he manages to shoot out towards the three-point line it's at a Ricky Rubio rate, then maybe. <laughs> and Ricky, Ru- and Ricky Rubio rate is not that good. No, but Ricky also got better at it. But, oh, I yeah. just first, I just put this picture in my head of Ben Simmons shooting granny shots from outside the arc, man. Like. <laughs> oh, I always, always forget the name of that guy who shot his free throws granny style. I can never remember his name. Shoot, what was it? Oh, yeah. Just have to Google it. Granny shot free throw, man. <laughs> I'm actually going to type that in now. Hold on. Even not that exact search. Uh, Rick Barry. Rick Barry, yep, that's him. And he was, like, totally one of the best. Yeah, well, it's the most accurate free throw shot. Yeah. Every now and again, I shoot free throws kind of like he does, which is weird because, like, he puts backspin on it, which normally you shoot Uh a granny shot, you don't, but he does, and I kind of try and do that, and I'm not bad at it. If I shot it that way, I'd probably shoot, like, no, probably about the same same percentage. I'm not a good free throw shooter. Mm. I think they're, I shoot they're, about... they're tougher than they look. <laughs> I shoot about the same as Derek Favors, which is um, not great. Because whenever he goes <laughs> to the line, I'm thinking, yeah, he's going to brick one of these. <laughs> anyway. He's also, he's also the hardest player to make a free throw in 2K. Oh, really? Like, yeah, that... I, make, I make free throws at a higher clip with Rudy than I do Derek. Rudy's a better free throw shooter than Derek, I think. At least in terms, I don't know. He's gotten there. I don't know. Anywho. I, I, I feel more confident with Rudy on the line than Derek on the line. Because I think Rudy shoots close to 70% if he's not already there. And Derek, you know, he's a career 66% free throw shooter. Well, he actually shot worse than that this past season. He's like the last two seasons. He's shot 65% or lower. Oh, wow. So, anyway. Of course, I feel that way when, like, I'm always a pessimist. And this goes with my college team, Utah State. Whenever they go to the line, I just think, they're going to miss one of these. I know it. And there's one game, Utah State missed, like, 80% of their free throws. <laughs> that's what it felt oh, like. Oh, wow. They didn't make a free throw until, like, the last three minutes of the game. Or they that or they made one and like didn't make another one until really late in the game. It was so frustrating. So we got to bust out the granny shot. Yeah, like the crowd cheered loudly when they made their free throw. 
that first free throw in a while. It's like, holy cow, you know it's bad when they cheer that loud for a friggin' free throw. Other than, like, you know, late game go-ahead or t- game time, you know, that kind of thing. And that's not what it was because we were losing that game. Yeah. All right, so that's pretty much it for this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. We will certainly get on to, uh, you know, I guess uh, first third of the NBA free agency, or I guess first week more like. We'll see if the Jazz end up doing anything because probably by that time, it'll probably be around the 8th or the 9th when we do release that, depending on how our schedules work and, you know, how life happens for each of us. And we'll see if any of these good, these questions get answered. You know, if the Jazz keep Derek Favors, let him go. Whether they cut certain guys, because there's so many questions, and we we've tried to bring them all up and speculate, but we don't know what's going to happen. So, yeah, it's weird being in this situation where we have so many more questions this year than we did last year. Where the biggest question was, is Gordon staying? Yeah, and yeah, that's that's the thing. We had the one big question, and then. There's so many. There's more questions here than there were even after Gordon left. Cause it was like, what do we do now? Well, it's like, okay, we right. We we kind of knew what we were gonna do. We were gonna roll with Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. Even before Donovan Mitchell broke out, it was like, okay, let's roll with these guys. And now it's like, well, we were good. What do we do now? So, we'll see what happens. Again, we're probably thinking that they'll stand pat, so there may not be a whole lot to talk about. But hopefully some of those questions will get answered so we at least know the general direction. And we can talk about that next time. But anyway, thanks again so much for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.